Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications Connect to more. It's time for Montana's only daily sports talk show. Nuwana is now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football. Montana. Happy Monday. Welcome in. Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching SWX Montana Television. I'm Coulter Nuanas. Nuanas Now, your one stop shop for all things sports across the great treasure state each and every weekday. Usually on a Monday, we get things kicked off with the Montana Football Hour. That's going to come at you the second hour of the show. This is the last Monday practice probably of the year for the Montana Grizzlies. So Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, will be contributing to our Montana football hour throughout the fall. He will join us, but he's got to be there until the end of practice, which is about 445. So switching the order around, we're still going to talk all things football all the time. Andrew Houghton from both SkylineSportsMT.com as well as ESPN Missoula here. We'll uh, kick things off with a broad and wandering conversation just about quarterbacks in general. If you haven't heard the news of the day, Montana has named Cam Humphrey as its starting quarterback heading into its opener against the University of Washington on September 4th. So we'll talk QBs, we'll talk some hard knocks, we'll talk some NFL, we'll talk some football, a.k.a. the soccer, and then we'll also hear from Dr. Michael Wright, Sports Medicine Journal, talking about labrum injuries. This is actually a segment we played back in May, but with football season on the horizon, figured it was a informative one when we give another shot that's our number one our number two talk all things grizz all things bobcats and everything in between during the montana football hour once riley corcoran is here back in the saddle so we will talk grizz quarterbacks a little bit more then hear from both cam humphrey and chris brown from an interview that andrew houghton did last week and also here uh, at least to get, get a little bit of paraphrasing from brett vegan his uh montana state's scrimmage was on saturday it was closed no availability for anybody but Coach Vegan these first couple weeks of fall camp, so I'm sorry if you're getting tired of just hearing from one subject there at MSU, but that's the best that we can do because they're not allowing much of anything. It's a big secret. New coaching staff, so there's a lot of uh, secrecy going on over there uh, at MSU. But uh, they did practice, and excuse me, they did scrimmage over the weekend, so got some thoughts and feedback about that, and then we'll also just talk about the Big Sky Conference broadly as well. We're less than two weeks away from the uh, full-fledged opener of college football, but we're less than a week away now of 
college football opening. Four games on Saturday, including uh, Southern Utah taking on San Jose State. So the first Big Sky team in action this season will be Southern Utah. So we'll look forward to all that here in today's show. If you want to watch or listen to the show, any of your mobile devices or your laptop, your tablet, anything like that, head on over to our station website, 1029ESPN.com. You want to be a part of the show? You got some thoughts, some feedback? What do you think of the quarterback position as it is in the status of the football world? Or you want to ask us questions or give us comments about the Bobcats or the Grizzlies or anybody in the Big Sky Conference? Hit us up, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. And go hit up the YouTube as well. Tommy's got some stuff in the works. we got some uh, technological changes and upgrades coming here at Missoula Broadcasting Company, specifically here at ESPN Radio. So uh, that also then includes us venturing into the vast unknown of the YouTube universe. But go check out our YouTube channel, and uh, please subscribe, because you're going to need to subscribe for some of our upcoming giveaways this fall. And of course, if you're watching on TV, you can already see our beautiful signage and our mic stands and all of it, but you already know we're broadcasting to you from the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Northwest Motorsport boasts the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. I was just driving down by there today. Man, they got a lot of trucks, a bunch of sweet off-road vehicles, some jacked-up pickups, every Montanan's dream. So go check out Northwest Motorsport located at the corner of Stevens and Mount or Visit them online, nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. Well, flexibility and uh, being able to audible on the fly. It's what we're trying to do best around here at Nuwana is now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. And so on that note, usually the first hour of every Monday show is the Montana Football Hour, bringing you all the best of coverage and interviews, analysis, commentary from all around the state from the weekend that was for the Grizzlies, the Bobcats, high school football, Frontier Conference, and everything in between, any amount of football with Montana ties. That's how we'll get your week started here from 4 to 5 each and every Monday. But Riley Corcoran, the last Monday practice of the uh, slate for the Grizzlies, they will have media and meetings and stuff like that on Mondays when the regular season begins, but the last Monday afternoon practice. So he won't be able to be here till the second hour. So we're going to do the Montana football hour in hour number two. But in the meantime, Andrew Houghton, SkylineSportsMT.com, and ESPN Missoula correspondents joining me here in studio. And, uh, of course, we're still going to talk football. So <laughs> this is just the uh, sort of Montana football hour precursor. But I want to ask you just a, a broad question here, Andrew, because I was out and about today running around seeing some clients. And I ran into Matt Johnson, uh, the Missoula Big Sky head coach. And by the way, happy birthday to Coach Johnson's boy. They were uh, at the mustard seed having a little food. And Matt was kind enough to bring me a little piece of their birthday cake. So I got to share in on the the celebration. Uh, But we were talking about uh, Big Sky's opening game. So high school football gets underway on Friday evening. The big game here in Missoula, Missoula Sentinel, will be taking on Billings West, a rematch of last year's Class AA state championship game. So that will be a fun one. A lot of premier players featured in Missoula. That game will be played at Washington Grizzly Stadium. But Zach Cruz, Montana Grizz, commit, probably a future defensive end or tight end in college, but he's going to be playing quarterback for the Spartans this year. They'll take on Billings West, which features Taco and Caden Dowler, a couple twin brothers who have Division One offers from both Montana and Montana State. Billings West also features Isaiah Clouch, who I think at the end of the day will be playing some sort of sport in college. It could be as a javelin thrower in track or maybe as a quarterback if he has a good senior year. Uh, and they also feature Riley Bergeson, who's a kid who's heading to the Naval Academy for football as well. So should be a lot of talent on hand Friday night. Uh, but Matt Johnson and I were talking about Missoula Big Sky's opener against Gallatin. And Gallatin plays, Bozeman Gallatin High School plays Big Sky, but they are expected to start Brent Vegan's son. So Montana State's head coach, he brings with him a junior in high school son who is 6'3", good-looking athlete. He was one of the better players of the Bozeman Bucks baseball team this year. I know he was an All-State basketball player in Wyoming. But this just, this just got me to thinking all the way around. There's all sorts of quarterback storylines across the board. You wrote a great story for SkylineSportsMT.com that will come out uh, this evening about quarterbacks at Montana, but how uh, even though they had this quote-unquote competition, it's not really a competition. So let's just start at the very top before we hash this out at a variety of different levels, Andrew. Uh, there's a basic premise amongst most football people that quarterback is the most posi- most important position on the football field. There seems to be some coaches now, though, Montana's 
being one of them and Bobby Houck that maybe doesn't put as high of a priority on the position. What do you think of that broadly? I think it's an interesting take. I think that as we're thinking along sort of the spectrum of football here where you have the NFL at the top and you go down into to college, the FBS, then the FCS, Division Two, Division Three, down into high school, down into, you know, little kids running around playing flag football. I think as you move further down that spectrum, the less important a quarterback gets. So I think in the NFL, you have to have a guy. Sure. But as you go down, you can start, you know, getting advantages in scheme, getting advantages in other positions, getting advantages, you know, with coaching, with team chemistry, etc., that make it less important to have a quarterback. You can scheme around not having a quarterback as much. It, it is so interesting because uh, I was hanging out with Marty Morningwick, a longtime NFL quarterbacks coach, former Grizz quarterback, at practice. I guess this would have been two Fridays ago, so uh, about 10 days ago. And we were watching uh, Cam Humphrey and Chris Brown from the University of Montana. And Chris Brown had attended Coach Morningwig's uh, quarterback camp that he puts on each summer uh, back when Brown was uh, still at Bozeman High School. And we were sort of talking about how there's this funny irony where when you watch Montana or Montana State practice most years, you're actually watching so many guys that played quarterback in high school because so many guys from the Montana and Idaho and Eastern Washington, if you're just the best athlete, you're just probably going to play quarterback. And you maybe you're like Zach Cruz, who is never going to play quarterback at the college level. He's absolutely going to play defensive end or tight end. But his senior year, okay, put him at quarterback. But Coach Morningwood made an interesting point. He was saying how Chris Brown is that big, tall, strong kid, but because he grew up in California, that he he was sort of groomed as a quarterback instead of as an athlete who played quarterback. And that ironically actually gave him this opportunity to be maybe the next guy from Montana who actually gets to play quarterback. Because I do think there's this weird thing where like Carson Rostad already went through it. Carson Rostad, I thought, was good enough to play quarterback at Montana. Who knows if he ever would have been a starter, but he was certainly good enough to be in the quarterback room. He's also 6'3", 225, and runs well. And he's from Hamilton, Montana. So it's not like he didn't play defense. Like, Chris Brown never played defense in high school, ever. He probably could, but he never did. But, like, Carson Rostad was an all-state safety. So but then when they want to get more guys on the field, bam, he's all of a sudden moved. I just think it's happened to guys at the Montana level, uh, particularly over and over and over again. Yeah, that's interesting. It's such a product of their environment, right? Sure. Like, why wouldn't you play defense? And I, I don't know. I mean, how has the passing game been at the Montana high school level? It's difficult to get all of those pieces together to have a great passing game, right? Even if you do have a guy who can play quarterback, you know, the receivers, the, the offensive line to be able to pass block, it's so much more difficult to get that all together rather than just running the ball, right? You just wonder if a guy just never played defense in, in high school. Well, from Montana, let's say it's just hypothetical. There's a guy from Great Falls or something. If he just never played defense, what his prospects would be at the next level because uh, we haven't had – the last guy from Montana who started at quarterback for Montana State was Jake Bleskin from Great Falls CMR. He most recently was a starter in 2014. I always thought Bleskin was a really good player, and I thought Bleskin – I know that people around Missoula – probably most infamously remember him for the Cat Grizz game in 2014 in Missoula where the Grizz defensive line led by Tonga Takai and Caleb Kidder just ate Montana State's offensive line for lunch and hit Bleskin over and over again and the poor kid threw five picks before he ever got pulled from the game. I'm pretty sure he dislocated or at least hurt his shoulder in that game. Regardless, that's sort of the the indelible memory of his career unfortunately. But there's been very few and far between other Montana guys that have actually got a chance at quarterback for Montana State. And uh, Montana, their last real Montana guy who got any sort of tick was Andrew Sell, who led the Grizz to the 2009 National Championship game out of Billings West. Before that, Brandon Neal, split time in the mid-2000s. And before that, was Johnny Edwards, who led Montana to the 2001 National Championship game. But few and far between for them as well. So you just wonder, if guys didn't play defense in high school, I'm not advocating for this because I do think being a well-rounded athlete is what helps you get recruited at the Montana, like out of the Montana high schools for sure. But you just wonder, if those guys didn't play defense, if the narratives of their careers would have been different or if more guys would have got opportunities. I just think that there's been some guys 
guys that could have played quarterback at this level that didn't because it's not because they because of their lack of skill at quarterback. It's because of their skill at other positions. Yeah, the biggest thing for me coming out here was realizing that everybody played two ways. Right. You know, so Anders from the greater D.C. area, so a, a completely different metropolitan area compared to small-town Montana. Well, and I was covering football in Georgia. Right. Where, you know, you had 80 or 100 kids coming out. Sure. At all of these schools. You had, you know, it was it was kind of a story for us when you had kids playing both ways. It was like, oh, man, how do you do that? Right. Like, what, what, how does your mindset change when you're playing defense, when you're playing linebacker as opposed to quarterback? Whatever. And then coming out here to, to, to Idaho... And to Montana and seeing some of the small classification schools, but even like the 4A schools in Idaho, the 3A schools definitely in Idaho. Sure. Everybody is playing both ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember it was like a big deal when I was a senior at Missoula Big Sky back in the fall of 2004 when we had a couple guys that didn't have to go two ways. Like we had like four inside linebackers, so we would rotate. So I was starting on the offensive line, and then I was playing like part-time inside linebacker. And that was like a huge deal because in the past it was like, oh, you're a starter? Well, there's only like 12 or 13 starters on this whole team because seriously nine or ten guys go both ways, like literally do not come off the field. Yeah, it's such a, I I mean, I don't even want to call it like old-fashioned style of football, but like if you mentioned it to people who had never seen this this style of high school football, they'd be like, what? You know, it sounds like something that Newt Rockney would have done in Notre Dame in the 1940s, right? Well, that's what's so funny about the Troy Anderson saga at Montana State because like people around the league are like, well, why are you playing this 6'4", 235-pound outside linebacker at quarterback? But the people in Montana are like, well, that guy won three state champ- championships at quarterback. <laughs> it's not as if he's a Division One thrower, but he's certainly comfortable with being the quarterback and, like, the man, you know? Yeah, I think there's interesting ways. I mean, I think people could do it more in college. I know uh, this is interesting. Zach Borish up at Idaho played a game at quarterback. He doesn't really play both ways. Idaho's running Logan Kendall both ways now in mm. uh, in fall camp a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all big sky fullback. They're getting him some reps at linebacker. Very interesting. That's all I got. I yeah, mean, that's not, I, mean, I just know that it's happening. I have no sure. idea if they're going to do it in a game. Yeah. But, like, why, why not, right? Like, Logan Kendall, we saw him at the Big Sky football kickoff. He's built like a brick house. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure he's a good athlete. I'm not sure where he's from. He probably played both ways in high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's certainly interesting. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. Andrew Houghton joining us before he heads on down to Grizz practice. Uh, on that note, uh, news from today, Bobby Houck, speaking of quarterbacks, did say that Cam Humphrey is officially the starting quarterback, at least for Montana's opener against the University of Washington on September 4th. So not that uh, surprising that they named a starter with the opener less than two weeks away. Camp, as it as it were, is essentially wrapped. This is like the last week of non-game prep, but they'll probably start doing game prep midweek. So it's kind of like... These next couple days are just like what coaches think of as bonus days. They've already had their scrimmage, and they kind of know what the depth chart's looking like early. So now they're kind of just progressing toward that opener. But uh, not really a surprise here, but just your thoughts on Humphrey going to be the man that leads the uh, Grizzlies into Husky Stadium. Yeah, not a surprise at all. Very like low-key, no drama, just the way Bobby handled it. Decided, I I think he just told the media, you know, somebody asked him a question before he had his media availability before practice, and he said, yeah, Cam's going to be the guy, at least for the first game. I think we I think we both saw that coming. Yep. Cam Humphrey has the experience. He played three games in 2019, filling in for Dalton Sneed. He was the starter in the spring. I also think that this is not, you know, it's not a final decision, right? Like, you're going to see what you have. You got the non-conference schedule. I think Chris Brown's probably going to play against Washington as well. Yeah, you know, late in the game. So it's 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 one milestone. It's not the the final final milestone, right? Not the final decision. And uh, I don't know if there ever will be one because they they kind of always have the that position and almost all the positions on the team uh, in flux. One other thing I want to ask about, because Andrew mentioned when he lived in Georgia. We've talked about it on this show before, but I think it is a cool little uh, tidbit that Andrew was in Cartersville, Georgia, which is right outside Atlanta, and he was covering Trevor Lawrence when Trevor Lawrence was the number one uh, recruit in the United States of America. Trevor Lawrence then famously went on to win a national championship at Ohio, or excuse me, at Clemson, and uh, then 
was the number one overall pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, now is going to get plenty of face time this upcoming season, good, bad, or indifferent. So we'll see uh, We'll see how he does. But you did watch high school football quite a bit down there in one of the hotbeds in the entire country. The most recently then also were in Pocatello, Idaho. And Idaho actually has very good prep high school football as well. And uh, yeah. some of the best guys in Idaho are, are going to FBS. Like Montana... The best guys, a lot of times they they commit to the Cats and the Grizz before the FBS even starts sniffing around. Like, it's my thought that guys like Troy Anderson or Zach Cruz would get, you know, some interest from some Mountain West schools like Utah State or Boise State or something. And can play for Utah State. For sure. For sure. For sure. But these guys, they get offered by the Grizz on or the Cats on, uh, you know, junior day, the first day they can get recruited. And they're like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I'm committing. And they commit within five seconds. So no one ever sends any resources. But just compare and contrast. I know you haven't seen any high school football in Montana yet uh, since you returned. But what was Georgia like? What was Idaho like? And what are you most looking forward to for some of the prep stuff that we'll be doing here uh, in Missoula? Well, Georgia was crazy because just the level of talent there. Just so many guys, right? Aside from Trevor Lawrence, sure. Like Nick Saban is flying his helicopter into (laughs) Lane on Cartersville's practice field for Trevor Lawrence, right? Right. But just the, the level of talent around there was stacked. I mean, Cartersville had four or five other power five guys on that team. Maybe 15 other D1 guys, whether that's FBS or Man. FCS. And that's the reason why, you know, nobody's playing both ways, because sure. why would you, right? Right. right. Um, so that was insane. So, yes, I would I would go to, go to a practice to talk to a coach, talk to a player, whatever story I'm working on. Go back and sit in the coach's office. Recruiters from, you know, wherever are coming through, and not just at Cartersville High School, all the other high schools that I covered there. Recruiters from across the state, across the, the country. So is is there is the talent just that much higher and deeper, or is there just are they is there more Division One offers because there's more recruiters there, or is it both? Both. Right. Yeah. I've thought this about the Southern California high schools forever, because on, on one hand you do have some of the best players in the country, but on the other hand, the dude who no one is getting recruited as like the 14th best player off of a team. Any state in the country except California, Texas, Florida, Georgia, maybe Louisiana. Like, there's a handful of states where you are the 13th best player on your team and you're still an FCS or FBS caliber football player, whereas, you know, you have to be one of the best five dudes in your entire conference to even get a sniff if you live in Washington or Idaho or Montana, right? Yeah, that's that's the case. And it makes it so much easier for people to get looks because you're you know, these recruiters are hanging out at practices anyway. They're talking to these coaches anyway. It gives the coaches so much more of an opportunity to say, Hey man, I got this sophomore coming up or I've got this senior who doesn't have a lot of looks, but I know that he can play a role for you. It's just the ecosystem is so much more connected down there. Bo Beck used to talk about this all the time. He was Montana State's recruiting coordinator for a while. He's the one that got Montana State deep into Texas. And he used to always talk about how he would just sit at North Shore High School and he would see, this is in Houston, one of the big programs in Houston, and he'd see Nick Saban and Dabo Swinney and Mark D'Antonio and all these guys walking through the halls or their assistants or whatever. And he'd be like, oh, who are you looking at here? Who are you looking at here? And then he'd be like, okay, so... Here's the 10 guys that start at North Shore that they're not looking at. I'm going to recruit all those guys. Oh, yeah. And then he would get a couple of them. Well, the other thing is is that these kids grow up seeing that at their high school. Right. I mean, they see if they have an older brother. They see that atmosphere around there. They grow up expecting to be recruited. You know? They, sure. they grow up knowing that those opportunities are going to be there because, you know, they're, they're in eighth grade. They're hanging out after practice. They see these guys in the halls, right? It is. It's, it's an interesting level of exposure. I also think it is one of the things that affects sometimes detrimentally the kids that come from out of state. We, I particularly seen this with guys from California where they come to Montana or Montana State and instead of thinking it's the, such a big deal like so many of the guys that do come from the rural areas do, they're like, man, this is cool, but my boy plays at USC. My other boy plays at Notre Dame. Like, I'm just sitting here getting chopped liver. Like, I don't. I only get my Grizz card to go to the food zoo. I don't get, you know, training table and all this gear. And, and so then you sort of start to demean this place. I think that it robs the drive of some of the guys from the big areas at these programs. Because I do think the kids that succeed the most are the ones that buy in. But you also see, though, then dudes like Travis Johnson, who comes to Montana State from... Survive High School, 
number three quarterback recruit in the country coming out of high school. Yeah. And once he realizes, like, once he makes his mind transition into how cool being a Bobcat is, bam, now he's rolling. And we've seen it at, at Montana as well. I mean, I, basically the point is that, to me, one of the number one factors of if recruits play out or pan out at this level, at the FCS level, is if they if it means something to them. Right, and you can always count on that for the Montana kids because the Montana right. kids aren't looking at it as, here's a school on a list. You know, they don't have the list tiered the way that a lot of kids have where it's like they look at it strictly Power 5, then FBS, then FCS. They're just going down the list, and a lot of them are seeing, you know, what's the best offer I can get? Where's the most prestigious place I can play? Without looking at, at what the fit is? For sure. That's exactly right. I think that's where Idaho had such a hard time when they first came back because literally half their roster, because Idaho wasn't ever that far above in terms of talent. Now, just as if the Mountain West is, uh, is not it's not that big of a gap from the, some of the better teams in the big sky. The Sun Belt certainly wasn't. I mean, no. it was pretty comparable levels of players. But I think that's why they had such a hard time when they first came back because probably an estimate, what, one-third to maybe even half their roster had chosen Idaho because of the FBS credentials, period. Right. So and then, then a lot of them FCS, they're like, well, whatever, I don't care. that I don't want to play in the FCS. A lot of them, that's their only FBS offer coming out. Right. For sure. And it, it is. It's interesting uh, to see how it all plays out. Nuan is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. We're going to talk a little bit more NFL before we get Andrew out of here for practice. So keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Fall camps are open across all levels of football in the Treasure State, and a rematch of the Class AA State Championship game is just eight days away in Missoula. Hello, I am Colter Juanez. Next Friday, August 27th, Missoula Sentinel will be state title defense against West, the 2020 runner-up, and the 2018 state champions. The action will take place at Washington Grizzly Stadium with kickoff scheduled for 7 p.m. The Spartans went undefeated last season behind a roster that featured six Division I players, including 2020 Montana Gatorade Player of the Year Dylan Rollins, who is now at BYU. Quarterback Cameron Sermon is now playing defensive back at Washington, while linebacker Geno Leonard, along with defensive backs Jace Kuswich, Soren Sevrud, and TJ Roush, all play for the Montana Grizzlies. Sentinel does return Zach Cruz, a first-team All-State selection at tight end and defensive end as a junior, who is now playing quarterback for the Spartans. Cruz committed to Montana earlier this month. West is led by quarterback Isaiah Clouch, along with do-everything junior Riley Bergeson, who's committed to Navy. The Frontier Conference opens football on Saturday, August 28th, with games on the Montana State Northern Campus in Haver against College of Idaho, in Dillon between host Montana Western and Carroll College, in Butte with Montana Tech hosting Eastern Oregon, and in Billings with Rocky Mountain College hosting Southern Oregon. And finally, Montana opens its season at Washington in Seattle on September 4th. Montana State opens in Laramie earlier that day against Wyoming. This 102.9 ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound. What up, Montana? Hope you're having an outstanding Monday. A lot of stuff swirling around, but we're here to just have a good time. Hopefully you are, too. NFL season is on the horizon. Preseason's marching on right now. Just three preseason games for everybody besides the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers who played in the Hall of Fame game a couple weeks ago. Need somewhere to watch the NFL? 
Silver Slipper has 55 TVs for you to watch all the action on. No matter what team you like, the Silver Slipper will have it on for you. They have drink specials every day. 20 Kino machines, a liquor store, and pizza. There's nowhere else you should be watching your favorite team at the Silver Slipper. It's all about great food, tasty drinks, and the urge to have a good time. Stop by today and see why the Silver Slipper across the street from Walmart on Brooks is one of Montana's best-kept secrets. 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. I'm Coulter Nuanas. It's Nuanas Now, your one-stop shop for all things sports across the great treasure state each and every weekday. We usually get Monday kicked off with the Montana Football Hour. Uh, the first hour of each Monday show. We're going to do that the second hour of today's show. Riley Corker going to swing on by, but we've still got a lot of football talk for you. Andrew Houghton, SkylineSportsMT.com, as well as ESPN Missoula, sitting in the chair with us. And before we tackle a little hard knocks, because I know we were uh, watching the Dallas Cowboys version of the hard knocks here at the house the other day, we want to talk a little bit about the real football. Uh, a couple big storylines when it comes to soccer uh, across the state of Montana. The Grizz soccer team off to an 0-2 start. They lost 2-1 to in overtime. At Creighton, which is a good effort. Creighton's a good, pro, great program. Omaha, tough place to play. and uh, But then they fell one nothing to Portland Sunday afternoon at home. So a little bit surprising there. Uh, basically, they gave up a 18-yard uh, goal, 18-yard box goal. That proved to be the game winner about 56th minute. And uh, Chris Chivitsky said we lost to Creighton with 46 seconds left in double overtime. Then one nothing to Portland on a soft goal. Both games were in, and both and both games we were creating opportunities. I like how competitive we've been. Now we possess the ball well against good teams, and the way that we were creating opportunities and defending, we just need that final thing, which is to score goals. This has been the Montana's been the best defensive team in the league for since Chitavisky took over. Uh, the goals have been the elusive part, but they had the greatest goalkeeper arguably in the history of the Big Sky Conference, so they were able to win a couple of Big Sky titles, even though goals maybe. Uh, not as prevalent as they might like, but this is sort of surprising that the uh, Grizz are 0-2 starting out. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to this for them all year. I mean, is it can they can they score, right? And nobody's pressing the panic button, right? I mean, you're non-conference. You're using it as a tune-up. The important games are going to come later when they get into their conference schedule. But this is the big question for them this year. I mean, Alexa Coyle's playing professionally in Scotland now. Where where do they score? And they, you know, he's he's not wrong with that quote. I mean, they had 11 shots, five shots on target against Portland. That's not bad. Those are not bad numbers. It doesn't matter, though, if you can't put them in the net. And here's the thing is that the position of, of, of forward or, or striker in soccer, it's just one of those positions in sports where you run hot and cold and you you need a little something extra to be good at it, right? Like you need to have a unique mindset, a short memory, some people would say. But you, I, I think you just have to be built for it because you don't get a lot of those opportunities. And if you get in your head, you start thinking, well, I might only get two good looks at gold a game and then one comes along and you're not in the moment because you're thinking about, well, I better not screw this up. It's problematic. And that's just some people are just born with it. Some people aren't. And, you know, it's it's tough for Montana because that's the biggest part of the game. No question. It'll be interesting to follow Grizz soccer as we keep progressing. The other uh, main soccer storyline around Western Montana, high school soccer gets started this week as well. High school football gets kicked off Friday night, but high school soccer gets started this, this week as well. And Missoula Hellgate looking to extend one of the great runs in any sport in Montana high school sports history. They have played in seven straight Class AA championship matches. They've won five out of the last seven, and they're gunning for a three-peat. So even though they've had these five state championships, they haven't actually had a true three-peat yet. So this is a big one. And they got to replace Montana Gatorade Player of the Year, Beckett Arthur, who joined us here on Nuanas Now as part of our Senior Spotlight Series. That's a big one to have to replace. But I'm just excited for you to see the Knights because they are awesome, man. The way that they're coached and, I mean, you'll be, so, you'll be blown away because it looks like a college program, man. They're so, so, so crisp when you watch them. Can't wait. One of my favorite things in high school is just those dynasties anyway. I mean, I yeah. love seeing the teams and seeing the crazy stats like, oh, seven, seven straight years in the championship game. I mean, we had a girls cross-country team in Idaho that won 14 straight cross-country state championships. I love seeing that. I love even more when it's soccer. Uh, I love watching good soccer, so I, I can't wait to see them. Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Andrew Houghton joining me, Coulter Nuanas. We're broadcasting to you live from the Northwest Motorsports Studio. Visit Northwest Motorsport online, nwmsrocks.com. That's nw, 
msrocks.com. Okay, so quickly, we were watching Hard Knocks the other night. We watched the first episode. And uh, Dallas Cowboys, is that's enough to make anybody cringe unless you're some sort of weirdo that likes the Cowboys, which I know is about half of America. I love the Cowboys existing. It's just like I love the New York Yankees and Duke existing, too, because when they're on television, I know exactly who I'm rooting for, not them. <laughs> I know you're a big Eagles guy, so the Cowboys are a little cringeworthy, too. But from a human perspective, this is going to be a fascinating hard so knock. Yeah. Because Dak Prescott has a chance at one of the great prove-it comeback stories of all time. I mean, the guy was infinitely close with his brother. His brother was even in the media just as a, sort of a personality for being Dak Prescott's brother, basically. Unfortunately, he took his own life. So that was the first por- portion of the tragedy. Then, later on last season, Dak basically gets his leg ripped off. I mean, he gets his foot turned sideways. Horrific injury. A revelation in the first episode of Hard Knocks. He said he had to have not one but two surgeries, so that's another setback. Then he gets paid, and so now he has this uh, precedent-setting contract to deal with the pressure of, and not to mention he plays for the Dallas Cowboys, so the the spotlight is as bright as ever. So I know that we're not rooting for the Cowboys from a fan perspective, but, man, it would be a hell of a story if Dak Prescott really did come back and made this thing happen. Well, especially coming from where he's coming from, too. He's a, he was a third-round draft pick. I mean, you never Maybe see guys... fourth, right? Yeah, you never see guys drafted that late who turn into starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And not just, like, getting by. Like, Case Keenum's had some sweet moments where he's, like, a starting right. quarterback. But, like, Dak's not just a starting quarterback. He's a franchise quarterback. You think he's one of the top ten guys in the league. I think he's definitely one of the top ten guys in the league. I mean, I don't know after that injury. And I saw the footage of that injury, actually, for the first time on Hard Knocks the other night. Yeah, I hadn't seen it live. Didn't go back oh. and look at it because right. Because right. why do you want to watch that? Exactly, and just seeing him grab his ankle and trying to shift it back into place is just just brutal. But I think I'm into it because, like you said, he's on the Cowboys. So not only is there this great narrative, him trying to prove it, him trying to you know get over his brother's passing, trying to deal with that. Just the Cowboys, man. The side characters in there. You got Jerry Jones. Yep. Zeke Elliott. Yep. Ridiculous stuff. Micah Parsons and his mom. His mom, Micah Parsons' mom, is already one of the stars of the show. Uh, so, so you have this narrative of Dak Prescott surrounded by just these great, great, entertaining side characters. What do you think of CeeDee Lamb? Because he's been just two episodes in, somebody that's flashed big time. I know they're expecting a lot out of him. I think he's dang good. I think he's really good. I think that, well... I think he's really good, but the thing is that these last two wide receiver draft classes have been so hyped. Sure. Some of those guys are going to fail. Right. You know, they were talking last year and this year about, man, are these the greatest wide receiver class of all time? Is there going to be seven of them taken in the first round? Right. I don't know if that's a new age with the, just the development of wide receivers coming out of college. Right. C.D. Lambs, I th- but I think that... That group from the last few years is just a fascinating group. C.D. Lamb's a part of it. I think he's going to be one of the good ones. See, I honestly think that the reason that there's been so many guys is because they are so developed in terms of being able to play the pro game. It used to be that you'd have to come to the NFL and work and be a part of the team and put your time in before you're going to burst into the starting lineup, whereas these dudes are day one starters. But I also think that limits their ceiling, too. Like, guys like... um, Chenault in Jacksonville or guys like uh, Henry Ruggs in Oakland. I think those guys are good, but I think they're as good as they're ever going to be. They're just going to be like, you know, 55 to 60 catches for 800 yards and four touchdown type guys forever. I don't really know if they have that, you know, I'm going to be a put up Tory Holt or Randy Moss or Jerry Rice numbers, whereas I do think that there's a couple guys from that class, namely CeeDee Lamb, maybe Jerry Judy, who could be like that all-pro type receiver. Devonta Smith, Devonta hopefully, Smith. From, yeah. from last year. Fingers crossed. Yeah, uh, yeah it's interesting because I'm, that's why I'm so interested to see how these guys pan out because it'll be like, well, how do you evaluate just this new age of college receivers coming out? Some people are good. Some GMs are going to get it right. Some GMs are going to get it wrong, but I think there is a new paradigm there. More with Andrew Houghton later on this week here on Nuanas Now. Have fun at Grizz practice, man. Thank you. Thank you. 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. We're going to bring back a fun segment that we've been doing, well, we were doing in the spring. We're going to bring it back for the fall. It's the Sports Medicine Journal presented by Missoula Bone and Joint. Dr. Michael Wright joins us to talk about labrum injuries within shoulders when it comes to football players. Keep it right here, ESPN Missoula.
After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual, but it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. This album, which is definitely one of the most iconic albums of my youth, Dookie by Green Day, reminds me of my good friend, my next door neighbor, Stano. I won't use his real name just in case. You know, Stano. Protect the identity. That's right. Uh, but uh, No uh, last names, no business names on the radio, that's, Colter. That's right. That's right. So uh, he's my next door neighbor growing up my whole life. He's two years older than me, so and I'm young for my grade. So he was also my wheels to and from high, uh, high school. We also played sports. I, I ended up making varsity football when I was young. So, uh, be- like, I'd only been able to drive us a little bit. So, he was my ride to and from football a lot of the time. Anyways, we were never on time to school one time. Not once during my two years riding to school with him. Uh, okay. I believe I set the Big Sky High School record for the most tardies of all time. Somewhere Karen is shrieking in for the race. Karen is a great woman. I know that she's spoken to my mother on the phone no less than 5,000 times on behalf <laughs> of my brother and uh, me. And uh, anyways, that song just reminds me of driving like a 92 Chevy Silverado 75 miles per hour down Reserve Street and seeing which right turn we were going to take before we swung into Big Sky. It was always between Spurgeon and Central and North, and you know all the streets. That's right. And uh, we almost rolled that freaking truck every single day (laughs) just to try to get there on time, even though we were 11 minutes late every time. My argument always was it used to start at 7.50. Right. I just started at 8. If we was at 8, we would have been on time. Ditto. Ditto, baby. They're doing this new thing where they're starting a, like an hour later, and they say it's really increasing productivity. It is. Interesting. Regardless, this new one is now. 1029 ESPN Missoula. One-stop shop for all things uh, youth m- mental exercises, but also we talk a little sports as well. Riley Corcoran said he's on his way. He's en route. So the Montana Football Hour usually comes the first hour of the show every Monday, but it'll be the second hour today. Voice of the Grizz will join us. I join me, Coulter Nuanas, here in the Northwest Motorsport studio here in about oh, 15 minutes, top of the hour. So we'll look forward to that. But in the meantime, first five months of this year, we implemented a great new segment, the Sports Medicine Journal, with Dr. Michael Wright of Missoula Bone & Joint. And basically what it is, is a once-a-month segment where we diagnose, where basically Dr. Wright explains and sort of hashes out common sports injuries. What does it actually mean to tear your ACL? What does it actually mean to have a high ankle sprain? What does it actually mean to tear your labrum? What's the surgery actually like? What's the rehab actually like? I find it endlessly fascinating. I think it's exceptional content and really good for those around the sporting world because a lot of times we hear whether it's in research for our fantasy football team or we're watching the Grizz, we uh, we hear about these injuries, but we don't really know what they entail. What What is the rehab process actually like? So we're going to start with a fresh new set of these starting next week, which is also next month. Crazy to think that August is almost over, almost into September. But uh, this one I think is pertinent because we're closing in on the end of fall camps across football, across the state of Montana at all levels. And one injury we always hear about is labrums, torn labrums, especially when it comes to your shoulder labrums. We also have labrums in your hip as well. But what is that? What, is this, what does a torn labrum actually mean for a college football player or a high school football player? Guys are getting operated on all the time these days, especially during the offseason, during the spring. 
So what does it actually mean? I caught up with Dr. Michael Wright about that a little bit earlier on this summer. Well, time now for the fourth installment of what's become one of my favorite segments, the Sports Medicine Journal, presented by Missoula Bone and Joint. And we are joined now by Dr. Michael Wright. We do this the first week of every month, diagnosing and talking about various injuries that afflict athletes across the wide world of sports. And we've talked about some of the most common injuries, from ACL tears to compound fractures to high ankle sprains. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about labrums. So there is labrums in both your shoulders, which is common uh, knowledge for people that follow college football because oftentimes guys are having labrum surgery. But there's also labrums in your hips. So, Doc, just tell us, just start there. Just tell us about just the difference between what a hip labrum is and what a uh, shoulder labrum might be. Well, structurally, uh, the labrum is pretty similar in the shoulder and the hip in terms of, of what it's actually made out of. It's made out of a fibro cartilage uh, material. However, functionally, it, it, it offers quite a bit different function in the shoulder than compared to the hip. So in, in a shoulder, the reason you hear about a lot of guys getting surgery on their shoulder for their labrum is for shoulder instability. And what that means is that the shoulder dislocated or popped out of the joint. And in the shoulder, the labrum is an integral part of, of keeping that shoulder stable. And so when it tears, the ligaments that stabilize the shoulder attach to the labrum. And so the, the ligaments are often insufficient, which requires a repair of the labrum to stabilize the shoulder. The hip's a little different. The hip is a more constrained joint. It's a ball and socket joint with a deep uh, bony socket. And so instability in the hip is actually quite rare when the hip dislocates. So the labrum in the hip is, is thought to function more as a suction seal uh, around the ball as the ball rotates around the hip. It maintains suction within the hip to keep the joint lubricated. Um, so both uh, labral injuries in the shoulder and the hip can cause a pain for an athlete. In the shoulder, it's much more common to have uh, instability associated with labral injuries as well, whereas hips are, are typically more pain with uh, repetitive activities such as sprinting or uh, jumping or any activity that causes repetitive hip uh, flexion. The Grizz play home games this uh, next two Saturdays, so I guess we could say it's officially sort of football season again for the first time in a long time. But in my 15 years covering college football between the Bobcats, the Grizzlies, the rest of the Big Sky Conference, this time of year in the spring when it's usually the off season is usually when you always see guys sitting out a spring ball because they had their labrums and their shoulders repaired. Why do you think it's such a common injury in football? Well, it's it's pretty common in any sort of throwing athlete. And so there's different areas of the labrum that can tear. You know, you, you may have heard in, in kind of the lay media something called a slap tear or a superior labral tear that spans from the anterior to posterior direction. So that's that's what we see typically in people that throw a lot, overhead athletes. And that's typically pain, loss of velocity with throwing. Those are the types of symptoms that you see. Whereas the shoulder instability uh, fix is usually an anterior inferior labral tear. And so the shoulder socket is is really a 360-degree uh, socket, and there's a labrum that goes all the way around it. And so we see injuries, you know, around the whole the whole surface of that, that labrum. Now, this is one of those injuries that guys typically get done in the off-season because sometimes you can play through a labral injury. It's, it's one of those things where the symptoms may not be so severe that you're completely out of commission for the season. I've certainly seen guys play through, play through a football season, and, you know, sometimes using a brace or sometimes kind of protecting themselves while they play. And then they elect to have the surgery done in the off season. And, you know, the reason you see it now is because a lot of those guys are in the kind of the tail end of their recovery. They probably had the surgery, you know, pretty quickly after the season ended. And then it's really, you're looking at, you know, anywhere between three and six months in terms of a return to play from a labral injury and a shoulder. And so a lot of them are still just kind of getting the finishing touches on their rehab protocols uh, as they wait in the spring, trying to get ready for the season. A lot of times you do see guys play through a shoulder labrum injury during the season, but then have it repaired uh, in the spring. But sometimes I feel like guys are getting it repaired as almost a precautionary or, or staying ahead of it. They might not quite need the surgery yet, but they get it done in the off season because they know they're going to need it eventually. I mean, just talk about kind of the comparing and contrasting of that. I mean, it seems like sometimes it's even an injury where when you, you know it might be coming if you're like a linebacker or somebody that's a, a high contact type position. So, I mean, do you feel like sometimes guys are getting this done ahead of time or do you understand what I'm asking? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this is one of those surgeries where there is a spectrum in terms of the indications. Uh, and I think the reason for that is that, that sometimes you can play with a labral injury without a lot of impairment in your performance. And so that really uh, results in players playing through this type of, of injury. But we know a few things about the labrum that help guide our decision about when to treat surgically. We know that they don't typically heal well. And the same is the true, true about things we've talked about in the past, the ACL, certainly meniscus injuries. They don't have a robust blood supply, so they don't heal well. And so with a labral injury in a shoulder, they do typically uh, tend to progress over time if they're not treated. And so this is one of those things at some point an athlete's going to reach a point in their career when they can no longer play through and then they may not have a choice to have it fixed. But athletes that are, have a desire to play at a higher level and know that it's going to give them issues down the road will, will tend to say, hey, I've got a problem, I've got a tear that's not going to heal, I just want to address it now. And we do see that particularly in line linemen, you know, both O-linemen, D-linemen, guys that hit a lot with their elbows kind of tucked up against their torso. They tend to have posterior labral uh, injuries from that repetitive impaction force, whereas, you know, the classic example of a wide receiver reaching out and dislocates his shoulder, that's typically an anterior labral injury. Uh, and then again, as I mentioned before, the throwers, are typically a superior labral injury. And so each one of those different injuries, even though they're all labral injuries, they come with a, a completely different surgery from my standpoint and often uh, a bit different of a rehab protocol. And, and so this is, a, a you know, like everything in orthopedics that we treat, there's a spectrum of injury, everything from a small one-anchor repair to a 360-degree labral tear, uh, which requires multiple anchors. Dr. Michael Wright joining us. He's an orthopedic surgeon, Missoula Bone and Joint. This is our Sports Medicine Journal presented by Missoula Bone and Joint. We do this once a month talking about common sports injuries uh, that afflict athletes across all sports. Doc, what's the rehab like when you're talking about shoulder labrum surgeries? Well, the rehab is, is typically about six weeks in a sling. Um, after the surgery itself. And then after that time, it's all about getting the, the athlete's range of motion back and then initiating into a, a strengthening phase, uh, usually under the guidance of the athletic trainers and the physical therapist. But, you know, it's one of those things that, that three months is about the soonest that someone's going to be back in uh, really aggressive competitive play. And one type of labral tear that's particularly problematic for athletes can be uh, the dreaded slap tear, which we see a lot in baseball pitchers that have a slap tear repair, and, and oftentimes they can be plagued by either continued pain or continued stiffness in the shoulder and certainly uh, can result in, in uh, a career-ending injury, even though it's, it's a labrum that is typically something that you can fix. Um, but in general, you're looking at about three to six months before uh, you're back at a pretty high level of, of performance. Switching gears on you then to the hip labrum, Tell us what's the most common forms of hip injuries that then lead to needing surgery uh, for a, a hip labrum surgery. Well, we think about the labrum and the hip a lot differently than, than the shoulder, uh, really because of the anatomy of, of the joint. So the hip, as I mentioned before, is a pretty constrained joint from a bone uh, standpoint. You know, you think about Tua, uh, who dislocated his hip, which is quite a rare injury. He also had a fracture of his hip that caused the hip to dislocate. The shoulder is like a ball sitting on a saucer, and so it relies on the labrum to help hold it in place. The hip is, is different. So hip labral injuries are typically, we see that in people that have repetitive high flexion uh, type sport, which is typically sprinters uh, or and hockey players is also a classic example. And they'll present with deep pain in the groin, sometimes catching and, and clicking deep inside of the hip. and. There's, there's a whole different um, uh, theor theoretical uh, disease, if you will, of the hip called femoral acetabular impingement syndrome, which is a mouthful. But all it means is that the hip itself has some bony characteristics that predispose someone to tearing the labrum in the hip. And the most common is something called a cam deformity, which is when you have an excess of bone at the femoral head-neck junction, which is right adjacent to the ball of the hip. When those athletes go into repetitive high flexion, they actually have a bump of bone that can cause the labrum in the hip to tear. And so when we treat these labral injuries surgically, um, the, the procedure itself is similar to a shoulder surgery in that it's an arthroscopic surgery. We do it up on a TV screen, minimally invasive through small incisions. But in the hip, it's a little different than the shoulder in that we're almost always addressing 
some degree of bony deformity. And what I mean by that is that bump of bone that we think causes the labrum to tear in the first place, which is just the way that the person's made, we often address that by shaving that bone down at the time of surgery. And then similar to a shoulder, we can repair the labrum in the hip uh, by means of putting anchors in the bone and sewing it uh, back down to the socket. Um, but hip labrum surgery, it's similar to shoulder in, in terms of the recovery. Uh, you're looking at three to six months again for, for most hip labrums. Uh, most people are able to start running again at about the three-month mark, and then it's a progressive kind of rehabilitation protocol uh, after that. And somewhat unpredictable results, you know, with hip labrum surgery. This is another thing that can just plague athletes that uh, at times can be career-ending for them. Dr. Michael Wright joining us. This is the Sports Medicine Journal presented by Missoula Bone and Joint. We do this once a month, diagnosing and, and discussing various injuries that afflict athletes across the wide world of sports. And you mentioned Tua Tagovailoa, the injury he suffered at Alabama before he came to the NFL. Probably the most the most famous hip injury is the one suffered by Bo Jackson uh, probably 25 years ago. And I remember watching a documentary about Bo Jackson, and basically one of the doctors that they interviewed in that said that it was almost humanly impossible to suffer this this type of injury that Bo Jackson suffered. Only he could do it because only he was strong enough to have the force and the exertion and the mass and all those things combined to actually be able to truly fully dislocate his hip and completely tear all of the tissue and all the labor and everything in that. So, I mean, it's almost amazing that that injury occurred like it did, right? Yeah, I totally agree. I was pretty amazed uh, with Tua uh, to hear about what actually happened to his hip and seeing the play because generally with a hip dislocation, I mean, we see these from time to time, but usually you're talking about, you know, a 70-mile-an-hour car accident or, or someone that, you know, fell off of a bridge or a building. You're usually thinking about major high-energy trauma to dislocate a hip, you know, more than, than we see in, in, in most sports. Um, but, you know, there is certainly a biomechanic component to this, meaning if you, you land on it in just the right angle uh, and the force is in just the right trajectory, you certainly can, uh, can dislocate your hip. But it's, it's rare. And, and one misconception about hips that I, I see all the time is people think they dislocate their hip. They have the sensation of that hip popping in and out, but it's almost never true that it's fully dislocating. However, in the shoulder, it can totally be true. People can voluntarily dislocate their shoulders they can they can do all sorts of tricks to make their shoulder pop in and out and so that just kind of goes back to the basic understanding of the anatomy of the constraints of the joint the shoulder is held in place by soft tissue the the uh, hip is held in place by a deep strong uh, bony tissue which is the hip socket or the acetabulum well it seems to me from this conversation then that shoulder labrum injuries and surgeries are much easier to recover from than hip injuries injuries and, and hip labrum surgeries yeah i think that's true you know one the slippery slope with shoulders is when you repair the labrum certainly sometimes you can certainly make a, a shoulder too stiff uh by repairing it because that joint relies on a balance of soft tissues uh to have the the appropriate biomechanics and so shoulders can be tricky as well but i think in general you're right hip injuries are are probably tougher to come back from uh than shoulder injuries and and certainly hip injuries are a lot less common we just don't see nearly the number of them uh as opposed to shoulder which is really commonplace on, on really any football team the Sports Medicine Journal presented by Missoula Bone and Joint. Dr. Michael Wright joins me, Coulter Nuanez, here on Nuanez now the first week of each month. And, Doc, this has been very informative, as always, and we'll catch up with you soon, but thanks so much for the time today. Okay, thanks, Coulter. Nuanez now, the revamping of the Sports Medicine Journal. Very interesting. What does it mean to have your labrum operated on? Something that a lot of college football players go through. Not as serious as it once was, but interesting for Dr. Michael Wright to sort of diagnose and show us just all what it takes. What does it mean to actually hurt and or tear your labrum? What's the surgery like? What's the rehab like? Everything in between. We'll continue to do that throughout the fall here on Nuanas Now because I find it just endlessly fascinating. So if you have an injury you've always wondered about, text us, 888 that's 888-1029, and... Uh, We'll probably get one kicked off here the first week of September, so maybe next week 
We'll get things rolling. Hour one in the books, hour two coming at you. The Grizz, all of a sudden, winding down fall camp. Montana football hour, the last one during the preseason. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joins me, Coulter Nuanas. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. <laughs> 